Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner is back next week. I'm excited about today's show. First and foremost, Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a great Christmas season. My special guest in studio, he is my friend, he is a fellow coach, and he is a Christian brother, and I love him in all three hats he wears. He wears a lot of hats, man, but those are the three I know most about him. He's the former head coach at Marquette High School. He's a current assistant coach at Concordia University and president and founder of David Cook's Enterprises, LLC. Coach, it's so good to see you. How are you? I am great. It's uh, so good to be here. And Happy New Year to you too, Mike. You know, it was so good. Let me tell you, I was thinking about you coming in today, Coach, and, and you're the kind of friend of mine that if we don't talk or see each other for a couple of months, it's okay. We just kind of pick up. And, and I think that's a sign of a true friend. We just kind of pick up and we just go. And I got a chance uh, over the, the Christmas holiday to see you out at Concordia for the WBY shootout. And we got, in, we got in the hospitality room and we spent a good hour just talking. When I should have been eating because I was hungry. But <laughs> we, we were talking. And we're going to get into the story you told me about you flying out to Boston. Because if if the Lord did not have his hedge around you for for those days, I, I, I'm telling you, I, my, as you know, my jaw hit the table as you were telling me the story. And I said, David, would you come in and do faith in the zone? We haven't had John for a couple of years. Would you come in and tell that story? And you were kind enough to say, yeah, I'll come in. Um, so segment two, we're going to tell this story about, about a health problem that David had and his trip to Boston. And... If if you don't believe after that that the Lord is looking out for this man, uh, I I don't uh, I don't think uh, that that would be right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now, if we can, and we're going to get into this uh, later in the show as well. But uh, David Cooks Enterprises, all one word dot com. David Cooks Enterprises dot com. You've started a new chapter in your life. Yeah, you know, after uh, 17 years at my alma mater. Uh, I just felt my assignment was up there. And um, so I left and started this business uh, thinking that um, it's time for me to share a little bit more about my story and try to help inspire and motivate people and prepare them to meet the challenges that they face in their own lives professionally and personally. And so um, it's been a, a great, great it stretched me. It stretched me a lot uh, because I hadn't done this before, and uh, I'm excited about it and, and trying to get a book written and, and some of those types of things. So next time you're in, I'm going to have to say former 
Marquette High, Concordia, founder, <laughs> president, and author. Man, that's I look forward to that day. Because we had that conversation. You said, look, I can talk all day long, but to sit down and write, that's a difficult thing to do. It is very difficult. Uh, it takes a lot of discipline. Uh, I think I know what I want to say, but sitting down and actually putting that on paper uh, is a challenge for me. Hey, you know what's interesting? Another thing that 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 kind of threw me a little bit, and and I don't know why, but I want to tell you this. We've known each other for a really long time. And until I went on your website against davidcooksenterprises.com, I, I didn't know what puts you in the wheelchair. I didn't know this. And and I had been asked, and I said, I, I don't know. And I don't know if it's it's a subject that was uncomfortable in the beginning of our friendship for me to bring up. Or I just didn't, I just never did. And so then I read your bio and I said, boy, at the age of 15 is when this happened. Can we talk a little bit about that time of your sure, life? Sure, yeah, let, let's talk about that. Um, your, did your faith start prior to that? Yeah, was, I, uh, I gave my life to Christ when I was 13 years old. Okay. Uh, I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time other than I knew that I wanted Christ to run my life and that I wanted to spend eternity with him. And so at age 13... And I, I remember I remember telling Christ that you're going to I'm giving you my life and whatever happens, you're in control. And so that's when I started to serve Christ at the age of 13. So when when this happened um, at 15 and, and could you it was a, a spinal aneurysm? Yes. Um, leaving you T six uh, paraplegic, and I don't really understand what that means, but <laughs> I know you've been in a wheelchair. That's what I know. I, I know what I see. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll walk you through it really quick. It was a it was a Friday, October nineteenth of nineteen seventy nine. It was a school day. We had uh, exams going, and and I like to play basketball. And so after that, the, the exams, I went into the gym and and we played a little bit. Uh, my nickname was Gus Williams, for those who can remember that I can. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> Gus Williams. Yeah. And uh, the more I tell the story, the better player I was, too. But <laughs> we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> but uh, I had a little back pain, didn't think much of it. Could um, I just had a physical because tryouts were the following week. And um, within 24 hours, uh, a blood vessel had erupted on my spinal cord. And uh, it's been 37 years now that I've been a wheelchair user. You know, it, it, you make it look easy. Yeah, you, 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 you know what? To be honest with you, the last four or five years, I, I haven't even thought about you in other, any other way than as my friend and and the things that we talk about, um, both on the record and off the record. <laughs> but uh, and and so it it's interesting. You make it look easy. It cannot be an easy life. Well, you know, God's God has made somehow given me the grace to make this look easy. Um, I deal with struggles and challenges every day that this life presents me. And so when I talk about overcoming obstacles and, and achieving, I really have to do that on a daily basis. I, the one thing I've learned in this walk, uh, 37 years of being in this wheelchair, is just to take one day at a time, one moment at a time. And when you do that, I think it does look easy uh, from the outside in. But it is a challenge. You know, and when you look at your bio— and you look at some of the things that, that you've accomplished. Uh, you know, you, you went to Duke. Uh, you have your MBA uh, in finance from Duke. Uh, your your BA from from Whitewater. Uh, your career path included uh, banking, finance, education, and athletics. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all, any of it, unless and, until you say, look, at, at the age of 15, this is what happened. 
there's a I, I would I would assume, and maybe I'm assuming wrong, but a lot of people that at 15 that this would have happened to would have said, "Look, you know what? I, I am not going to continue down this path." Yeah, I I think that for me, um, you, it's a cliche to talk about faith, family, and friends, but but the reality of it is, it was true for me that um, my faith in Christ really propelled me to ask what is my next move. My family was there for me and my friends were there. And I know that there are many people who face challenges and I try to tell them that adversity doesn't define who you are, but it can define the roads you take to your destiny. And so my destiny never changed. My circumstances did. And so I just decided that I was going to be successful. There are goals that I still had and I wanted to obtain them. And so I was going to move forward in that direction. Were, were there were there nights and are there still nights where where you know you close your eyes and you say Lord I I, I don't get it yeah you know sometimes um, uh, it gets difficult and and you want to think it's a dream but but it's not I mean you you, you want to wake up from this and, and wish it was something else but I think that um, one of the things that I've learned is to cast all of my care on on him because he cares for me and so. Every day when I go to bed, I know that I've had all the mercy that I need for that day. And, and sometimes that day is very difficult. But I know that the next day I get a new set of mercies to help me get through that next day. You know what that's called? Strong in your faith. Man, that, that's what that is. I, one of my favorite stories um, with you is I invited you to the stakeout at, at Brookside Baptist Church. And you were running a little bit late that day. And you got there, and, and what, what that is, a men's stakeout, is is uh, they, they bring in uh, a company that cooks steaks and potatoes and everything for these guys. And then we eat. We have a little fellowship time, and then there's, there's some guest speakers. And uh, you were running a little late, so I waited to make sure I got my steak when you got yours. And <laughs> we got ours pretty much last. And, uh, you know, you were eating yours. I had We had plastic forks and knives, and I hit the fork, and a couple of the the the, the um, little the little part of the fork broke off, so I couldn't really eat. So I got up to go get a new fork, and by the time I got back, they took the steak away because they were cleaning the tables. And you were eating your steak. I said, man, you could, come on, give me some of that. You're like, no, nah, this is really good. And I thought, man, because he's late, I'm not eating. I, was, I did apologize to the Lord for being mad at you for that one. But I asked you that night. Coaching, you were coaching at Marquette at the time, and I said, "Do you ever get nervous coaching?" And you said, "No, never. I, I get nervous preaching." And I said, "Really?" And you said, "Yeah, I I get nervous before I preach, but why would I get nervous before I coach?" And it seemed like an odd question to you, and and I said, I, "I'm just wondering because I still get nervous before every game." And you laughed, and you said, "I never, no, I just get nervous. It's just a basketball game." But I get nervous before I preach the word of God. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I um, uh, to bring clarity to that statement. You know, there's an excitement that comes with basketball, and there's an excitement, an excitement that comes when you are speaking and sharing your faith. And when it comes to the gospel, you know, you just want to make sure that you've heard from God properly, and that He is speaking through you and to you to the people. And so that's where you have a little bit more of a heightened awareness yeah. when you do, when you do that than when uh, when coaching basketball. But they're, they're, they're both are important to me, and anything that's important to me anyway, I can get a little bit nervous or fidgety about until I'm in it. Now, once I'm in it, 
we're good. Right. And, you know, it, it the, the flow is there, and then, and then we get it done. Do, do you miss, and, and we got to get to a break, but do you miss um, being the head basketball coach at Marquette High? No, I don't. You know, I, I think that um, uh, that time has come and gone, and that season is over. I enjoy being an assistant coach at the college level uh, and still building relationships with young people because that's really – what I do. That's what I think was what I'm gifted to do. And so it's just a different avenue that I'm using now. And I don't have all the responsibility uh, that I would have as a head coach, but I, I've learned how to be a great assistant coach from my assistant coaches that I've had. And, and I just want to serve. And, and that's what I love doing. I love serving the head coach. You know, I think, um, and, and I've been an assistant coach now with coach Wallace for a while. And, and I think the number one trait of a good assistant coach is loyalty you you don't want the head guy's job um we i will challenge coach wallace we'll be in a coach's office and we will go at it pretty hard and but once that door opens lockstep man what he says goes it's his you know he's the head of the program and if i'm saying we need to play zone and he's saying no we're going to play man and we walk out and a parent comes up and says man you guys should play some zone i'm like no Absolutely not, and here's why. You know, I am in lockstep with him, and I would throw myself in front of a bus for him. You know, I just would, and because of the loyalty and the love that I feel for him as as the the you know the head coach of this program. Absolutely, I, I think you know loyalty transcends profession, and and it's something about being unified and having a unified front. And that's one thing that you you say iron sharpens iron. That's what the scripture tells us. And so there's place for us to have conversation and to have conflict. But when it's time to 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 come out in the public, the leader is the one we support, and we should be on one one page. And I think that's just great, guys. We're going to get to a break. Um, trust me. Go to David Cooks enterprises.com it's one word or if if you if feeling led to call him and we're going to talk about his speaking engagements and some of the things he would bring if if you're looking for a, for a speaker on leadership and coaching and a number of different uh areas and i'll get into those as the show goes on you can again go to david cooks enterprises.com or give him a call at 414-507-7677 507-7677. We'll continue our conversation with Coach Cooks on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. My special guest, special friend, I should say, in studio. Man, he's just, uh, he's my guy. He is the current assistant coach at Concordia University, former Marquette High School basketball coach, and he's the president and founder of David Cook's Enterprises. He is David Cook's coach. We had a chance to talk at the WBY shootout, and I knew I knew that you weren't feeling well from following you on Facebook, but I wasn't sure what was going on. And I got a chance to talk to Sean Cassidy, kind of got the Reader's Digest version, and then you came in, and we sat in, in that hospitality room for a while, and I said, how are you feeling? He said, good. I said, what's going on? I couldn't find out from Facebook exactly what happened. And when you told me the story, 
I immediately said, would you come in faith and zone? Because the Lord has had his hand in this. And if you could, let's let's talk about that trip to Boston. Well, I um, I had back in September of uh, 2017, I booked a trip to go to Boston on December 5th. And I was going there to do a speaking engagement. And on December 4th, uh, after church that Sunday, uh, after I got in the car, I began to have a shortness of breath. And throughout that afternoon and that evening, I would find myself having trouble breathing just over the smallest activity. And so uh, I, I told my wife, we prayed about it, and I said, well, you know, if I don't feel any better tomorrow morning, uh, I'm going to go to ER, and I'm just going to have this trip canceled. And so— um, And this when, is a big trip. This was a big trip. This was a, this was a trip— that was going Huge. to uh, really catapult me on a national scale in terms of bookings and things like that from a speaking standpoint. So um, went to bed, um, got up the uh, next morning, and uh, I felt really, really good. My wife even said, you look good. She doesn't say that often. And, <laughs> and she should. <laughs> she should. Be. And uh, I said, okay, well, let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and make the trip. And so um, I, I get to the airport, and as I'm getting to the uh, ticket counter, I'm, I'm feeling a little tired, but Okay, so I had someone help me with my bags, that kind of stuff. I get on the flight, and uh, about three-quarters of the way f- through the flight, I'm really struggling with breathing and, and getting comfortable. And, and so uh, I asked the uh, flight attendant if I could have some water because I, I feel dehydrated, and I'm just not sure what's happening. Uh, so they come back, and they ask me if I'd like to have some oxygen. And you know me, I said oxygen doesn't kill anybody, so I'll take some oxygen. You know what? The, yeah, what the heck? give me some. Give me some. And my breathing became better instantly. And so I began to just kind of think like, what? Something's wrong with my oxygen levels. So I asked the flight attendant if they could have the paramedics meet me in the jetway and uh, take me to an emergency room because I had about three and a half hours in between when the plane landed and when I was supposed to speak. And so I was thinking that this is some sort of a virus and that would be plenty of time for me to get checked out. So we get to the emergency room and uh, they run some tests and they come back and they tell me, uh, well, you're not going to be giving your speech today. Uh, you have a, a submassive blood clot in your lungs and we need to figure out what to do about treating that. What is it? A submassive Blood clot. I'm sorry, what's a submassive? Well, that's what I said. I I know what the word massive means. That's normally large. Yes. And sub, I wasn't sure what that meant. So what they said was that the uh, blood clot didn't cover both sides of my heart, but just one side. So it wasn't massive, massive. Okay. Okay, and that was comforting, I guess. I guess. (laughs) I didn't know what any of that meant. So, um, And you're you're out there by yourself. I'm out there by myself. That's 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 a scary part, Matt, for me. I I would want my wife next to me for those. Yeah, so I'm out I'm out there by myself, and so uh, once the doctor gives me this information, I um I call my brother-in-law, who is a doctor, and he lives in Baltimore, Maryland, and I just called him to give him the update on where where I am, so that he could talk to the family and that type of stuff. And uh, the first thing out of his mouth is, you know, where are you? And I said, well, I'm at Mass General. And he said, oh, that's the best hospital in the, in the country for treating blood clots. You're in a great spot. That's the first thing, the first sign that, you okay, let me just try to figure out what's going on here. Because they could have taken me to a number of hospitals in Boston, and there are a number of very good hospitals in Boston. Yep. They just happened to take me to the one that treats blood clots better than anybody else. In, in the country. In the country. That's awesome. In the country. So... So we, uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the emergency room, and remember, um, there are no rooms to admit me. 
but they want to admit me, but they can't admit me because there are no rooms. So I'm in ER uh, for approximately uh, 36 hours. And so, <laughs> so after, after they, they give me the information and I, and I talk to my brother-in-law, um, I actually, I say a prayer and I thought about Hezekiah and I asked God if he would honor the life that I've lived for him, because that's all I had to offer is the life that I lived for him. And I said, God, would you honor my life and allow, I, I want to get back home. And I went to sleep. So later that evening, the doctor comes in to see me to talk about potential procedures. And the doctor says to me, he closes the door and he says, I'd like to talk to you like you were my brother. And I was like, okay, well, you know, doctors don't do that, but let's see what he's got to say. Well, he was concerned because they needed to do a procedure, but there were no beds in the hospital and they needed a bed in ICU, but there was no bed. So I hadn't eaten because I'm in the emergency room. I've been in the emergency room since one o'clock is now 11 o'clock. The next day, they don't know if I'm going to get to eat at all. So he feels bad for me. And he says to me, you know, I'm going to go buy you a meal right now. And I look and it's 11 o'clock at night. You're going to buy me a meal. Where are you going to get a meal from? That's what I'm thinking. Because the cafeteria is clearly closed. Well, he comes back with a very, very tasty <laughs> turkey, butternut, squash, spinach salad covered with pecans. Not bad. Not bad. For 11 o'clock at night. For 11 o'clock at night. Now, I'm thinking that this must be the guy that my brother-in-law knows. This has to be him. Right. Because who's gonna, who, what doctor is going to buy you some food? Right. Well, it turns out that wasn't who my brother-in-law knew. It turns out that he was, though, the top doctor on the, doctors of, uh, on the team of doctors to treat me. So that was, that was one thing. So the next day, we, uh, a room opens up in ICU, and the procedure is about to begin. And a person walks into the procedure room and says, hi, I'm so-and-so, and, -so, and um, I know your brother-in-law, Jim. Is your wife here? And I was like, well, no, she, she'll be here tomorrow. We couldn't get her flown out yet. And um, the person says, well, if she needs a place to stay or she needs a car or anything, just let me know. We'll be taking care of all that for you. Okay. Well, well, well thank you. Yeah, I mean, that, that was nice. That's nice. Yeah. You know, so I don't think much of it. But I noticed when she came in, the doctors were all, like, at attention and just talking to each other. And I'm like, well, who is this lady? Yeah. Well, it turns out that she was the chief of physicians. She runs the hospital. <laughs> So and she, and she comes in just to check on you. Just to check on me. Just to check. I've never met her in my life. And so, so not only am I at the best hospital in the country, not only am I getting the care from the top doctors that are there, now I have the person in charge of the entire hospital overseeing my care. <laughs> That's not bad, man. That's not bad. That's not bad, That's brother. not bad. That but, ain't bad. But, but it, only, it only keeps getting better. So we completed the procedure. The procedure was great. Um, you have to stay on your back for 12 hours and blah, 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 blah. And so the doctor comes up uh, the next day and he says, man, things are really good. And I think we're going to be able to unplug in all these sorts of things. And so they, they begin to uh, recant why I was out there. They were asking questions and felt bad that I had come out there to speak and wasn't able to do that and that kind of stuff. And so um, I said to the doctor, I said, well, 
hey, if you know anybody, I'm giving out business cards while I'm in ICU, by the way. Smart. <laughs> and so I said, if you know anybody that's looking for someone to come and speak, I do a lot of different things. Here's my card. And the doctor said to me, well, my, let me give this to my wife because she's done TED Talks. Now, for people who understand Huge. understand Huge. public speaking, TED Talks is like the highest level of public speaking that you can be honored with. And it's seen can be seen all over the world. Huge. Absolutely huge. We so, watch a lot of those here at Intercom in the sales department. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, here's a contact for that. I'm like, okay. Um, he he leaves the room, and then the chief of physicians shows up and doesn't identify herself as that. And she's just talking and talking and and um talking to the nurses and everything. And and she says to me, you know, I'd like to get you back out here if we possibly can under some different circumstances. I think our organization would benefit from hearing from you. Oh, well, let me give you a card. <laughs> yeah, let me give you two. Let me give, let me give you two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now the people in ICU are wondering who I am. And I tell them my name and my birth date because that's what I thought they were asking me. <laughs> what they were asking was, why are you getting all this favor? Who you know? You must be somebody important. And so, there, it, it it continued with this. There were no beds available, so I was in ICU for almost three days, getting around the clock care that I did not need, being overseen by the chief of physicians, and having the top team for this blood clot taking care of me. So you you get all the, you get all of these things happening. And I could have gone to the emergency room here in Wisconsin on Sunday night. And and would have probably gotten great care. However, yes. however, the fact that you woke up feeling good until you were three quarters of the way on that flight, because if it's one quarter, I they may turn around. Right, exactly. They may if it's half, they may turn around to get you home. Yes. Three quarters. They're going to land in Boston, and they're going to get you to a hospital. To a no. hospital. And that's the hospital. And that's the pick. hospital. And nobody knows what's going on at that point. No. It's not like you said, look, I, I think I have a blood clot. Get me to the greatest hospital in the country that handles blood clots. You're having trouble breathing. I was just having trouble breathing. So so now it, 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 it gets better I'm, because when I got ready to leave and get to the airport, there were three witnesses. The scripture talks about let everything, let every word be established by three credible witnesses. Well, I had three credible witnesses. One was a person who helped me get off the plane. And what they said to me was, or what she said to me was, first of all, I can't believe you made the flight out here. Secondly, if I hadn't seen you before, I would have never known how sick you were. That's the first person. Okay. Then there are two passengers that flew out that were flying back with me that went to get their family members. I gave them business cards too, by the way. And, <laughs> and they said to me, wow, you look incredible. You did not look very good coming out here. And I said, well, I believe I got a miracle. I said, I feel great. We get on the plane. We fly back. The doctor told me that I would have some breathing difficulties probably over the next 30 days or so. Well, I got off the, uh, off the flight, and I rolled the entire concourse to the car. 
I was tired because I hadn't done anything for a week. Right. But I was not winded or out of breath at all and haven't experienced one Praise moment of short I, breath. Look, I, I'm just telling you, you know what? The Lord put his hedge around you. I, I, I truly believe that. You you can't. That's not a coincidence, man. No, there's too many of them. Too many of them. Let me and and let me just add two more things for sure, you. You bet. Uh, probably three. I went to see my my local doctor about a week ago, and he asked me what happened, and I I assume he read the charts. So I told him what I thought God had done. The story I just told you right. is what I told him. Okay. And you know what he said to me? This doesn't happen. You need to write that down. This has to be God. Has it to. has to be. Two other things. On November 29th, which is a Tuesday, I received a text message from someone, a prophetic word, that said that there's going to be a shift in your health. Your health is about to turn around. It may not look like it, but you serve a supernatural God, that God is about to breathe in your direction in a new way. So I get this text on November 29th. Okay. I just put that on the shelf because I'm believing that for my life and whenever it's going to happen. When I got up on the morning of December 5th to, to, to fly to Boston, there was a text from someone in Atlanta on my phone that had been praying for me. And they said that this is what I believe God is saying. He started off by saying, I am the breath of life. And the shortness of breath that you've been experiencing is because I'm about to breathe a new life into you for your next assignment. I need for you to relax take in a deep breath and receive your healing. And it also went on to say, you will not need to say anything. Your presence alone will be enough. And I had no idea what any of that meant. Right. Because I'm going to Boston to speak. I have to talk. So this must be referring to something else. Well, it wasn't. No, it, I've, I have goosebumps up and down my arms, brother. It turned out that God saw fit to fly me to Boston and orchestrate my healing. He's got big plans for you, man. It's an amazing thing. Plans. It's an amazing thing. He is David Cooks. Go to davidcooksenterprises.com. davidcooksenterprises.com. 414-507-7677. If you want to talk to David or if you want to um, hire him, he is a great speaker. And we're going to talk about some of the, the, the topics that, he's, that he is going out and talking to different groups about. And you can see some of his clients on that website. Again, one word, davidcooksenterprises.com. And we'll continue our conversation with him on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by All-American Window and Door. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Mike McGivern alongside the former head coach at Marquette High School, current assistant coach at Concordia University, and president and founder of David Cook's Enterprises, you can check out his work, davidcooksenterprises.com, or call him if you're looking for a great speaker to come to talk to your business, your team, your group. I would highly recommend calling him, 
7677. First of all, that story with Boston, we could do the whole show on it because you left out some stuff because <laughs> for time purposes. And, and again, if one of those things happen, Coach, okay, right. it's a coincidence. Right. Two things, maybe, but the amount of things, look, you know how I feel about it. So I'm just glad you're healthy, brother. Well, I'm glad you, you're feeling it was, good. It, it's great to be here. It's good to be alive. I don't fear death or anything like that, but I'm just glad that my, my assignment on earth is not done and that I have another story to tell now. I have another chapter in the book to write, and well, it, it, will, it will be about the Boston experience. Well, and the book— but also when you're out speaking. Yes. You don't even have to you don't have to even take little notes on this thing. No. You're ready to go. I'm ready to go. I mean, you, can wheel, you can roll right in and start going, man. <laughs> speaking of that, when you get asked to speak, and there's on your website, there's a there's a number of topics um that you that you have and will speak on. And I'm gonna go through this quickly. Overcome adversity, teamwork, effective leadership, diversity, and coaching. And you could pick any of those, and you're pretty much an expert. Talk about overcoming adversity. Okay, really? <laughs> Teamwork, effective leadership, diversity, um, and, and coaching, all really strong. When, when, when somebody calls you or they go to your website and they, they reach out to you to come speak to their group, how was it chosen what topic you're going you're gonna to speak on? Well, I, I think one of the things that I try to express with people is that you're going to get my story. You're going to get my personal life experiences and how they can apply and hopefully inspire and prepare you to meet your own challenges. So um, the, the, the overcoming obstacles is clearly more about my life than any of the other topics that we have there. Um, but when we talk about teamwork um, and that that allows for me to use some of my coaching experience and how to develop a team, how to uh, hire your staff, how to identify roles for your players, employees, that type of stuff. So right. so that whole teamwork thing has taken on a, a management level uh, conversation for business as well as just general coaching. Um, so so I, so if, the an, so the answer the answer is, you know, I can actually adjust myself. Or just not myself, but right. just my, my speaking, my speaking yeah. um, to to meet whatever your needs are. You know. So if if somebody says, "Look, effective leadership or diversity or or coaching," if they say, "Hey, look, we need all that, man. We we want to hear your story because your story. Look, I would think that almost any time you go out and speak." People are going to notice you're in a wheelchair. Right. 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 They're going to say, "Hey, our guest speakers." And so the overcoming adversity is how I would think you probably start to say, look, here's what's going on. Yes. Here's what happened. Yes. You always, you always begin with 37 years ago, this is the experience, and now I have daily challenges, and this is how I approach life. And so part of what I try to do is give people a way to approach life so they can overcome whatever the obstacle is. I, I, I don't believe that obstacles were ever designed to stop you. I think they were only made to strengthen you because if they were meant to stop you, you would die. And I want people to understand that. And whether that's building a team, whether that's uh, 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 learning how to, to coach and, and, and inspire people, that's what this is really all about. And so I, I try to really make it so it's practical. Um, people love to hear about, you know, what happened to you? How did you do that? How, did, how was it coaching at Duke? How was it right. working with Coach K? How was it doing USA basketball? So those are all stories that people are interested in and that can provide insight into the culture of an environment, into diversity, into overcoming obstacles, and into into teamwork. 
you know, and we didn't bring, we didn't talk about this early on. I said you went to Duke, but you, you're part of their staff. And on your website, there's a video from Coach K who said that you look a little older now and stuff like that. <laughs> Actually didn't know that he had quite the sense of humor. He's kind of funny in that, but he's had some great things to say about you. And again, you can see that video. It's a short video. It's about four or five minutes long. But to get Coach K to do a video for four or five minutes, obviously you're an important part of his life. DavidCooksEnterprises.com to see that video. What, what I like about this, David, and when, in my mind, you know me, I'm always thinking and marketing and all that stuff. But you can go to a secular business, you can go to a faith-based business, you can go to a church, you can go to a... T- you can take what what your beliefs are and you can kind of use your beliefs and, and, and your knowledge in just about any environment. And that's, you know, that's what's so unique, I think, about my opportunity when I started David Cook's Enterprises is that my my life experiences have taken me from business to education to athletics and there's always the faith side of my life that under under undergirds them all. Right. And so it, it gives me just so many different places to go and to share this message. What, one of the things that I truly admire and love about you is, and we, you and I have been in different settings, a lot of different settings from here to gymnasiums to restaurants to whatever. You're not shy about who you, who you are. You, you will... You will get up on the mountaintop and say, hey, look, this is who I am. And I knew that immediately before the first time I met you was here. at and I, I called you up, said, would you come do the Wendy's Varsity Blitz High School basketball coaching show? Right. You said, sure. You uh, you came in five minutes into your your um, your stay here. We I had a producer, young guy, who used a four-letter word. And you st- and we're in the middle of a conversation in a pre-show meeting, and you stopped and you said, "Do not use that kind of language with me in the room, please." And the guy was about 23, 24 years old. He said, "Excuse me," you said, "You can use that language if you want with your friends, but you're not going to use that language in front of me." Do you understand me? And the kid goes, uh, "Yeah, sorry about that. I got it." And I was taken <laughs> back by it, like. Okay, I'm getting it. And from that moment on, man, I I, I just kind of smiled. I thought, this guy is not afraid of who he is. He doesn't care who he, this is who he is, and he's he's comfortable in it. And I and I think that that is one of the joys that I have when I go out and speak and meet people is just I'm just sharing who I am with you. I don't have to make it up as there's no pretense here. It's this is who David Cooks is. And I believe that part of my assignment is to share who I am with others um, and to help them become the best person that they can be. Here's what. Here's the other thing I know. You know, when you when you talk about some guys that are are, are going to go out and speak on effective leadership, and they're going to and they're going to go out and speak on teamwork, and they're going to uh, talk a little bit about maybe coaching or it it, it tends sometimes to be dry. Mm-hmm. I didn't happen it with you. No, no, let me tell you. Look, <laughs> there have... is some humor in this thing. For you to laugh at what happened, you're going to Boston and stuff and wow. have some fun with that. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, it's going to be a fun. If they book you for a half hour, an hour for the day, it's going to be fun. Some of the stories you will hear, you will be amazed. Um, even from driving with a golf club on I 95 in New York City. Yeah, I won't tell you the whole thing, but I had to do that. It's talking about how quickly you have to deal with adversity or you get run over. 
you know, and so I have stories that are for real, like really happened. And uh, and they're they they weren't funny at the time. <laughs> they're funny, no, but your spin, <laughs> but the spin on them is, yeah. is pretty good later. So and, and the fact that the Lord has has again put His hand on your life and said, "Look, I've got more work for you, young man. I'm not. You're not coming home to me yet." That's right. That's, and that's right, man. Yeah, a lot 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 left to do. A lot left to a do. A lot left to do. And we're going to find out some of that on the other side of the break. And I've got a couple of questions for David. Want to know his. Uh, his best coaching moment, and whether it was in a loss or a win, if it was up at the Cole Center, if it's in college, or it was someplace else, I'm going to ask him, and uh, we'll find out. Continue our conversation with David Cooks, assistant coach at Concordia University, president and founder of David Cooks Enterprises. Go to davidcooksenterprises.com for more information how to book him as a speaker with your group, your team, your organization, your church. You know, make sure you go and uh, and look at that website. There's some great stuff on it, and you'll get to know him a little bit more uh, from from some of the information on that uh, website. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Young Express. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Mike McGivern alongside David Cooks. He, again, president and founder of David Cooks Enterprises, LLC. Go to davidcooksenterprises.com. That's one word. Or give them a call at 414-507-7677. You know, first and foremost, thanks a lot for coming in, man. It's always good to see you and spend time with you. Time always goes very quickly when I'm with you. Yeah, we both talk a lot. So <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, I don't listen to one word you say. I just keep talking. Yeah, it's great to be here. This has been really a great time. Well, we got to get you back a, a lot sooner than uh, it took this last time. Hey, as um, as a basketball coach, you've coached for a long time. Can you give me one, maybe not your favorite, but one of your favorite moments, either on the sidelines or as a coach, when you think about your career? Yeah, you know, this past summer, actually, a young man um, stopped here in Milwaukee. He was flying on his way to a wedding, and he asked me if we could go out for lunch. He was a former player, and I said, sure, let's do that. And uh, we went out to, to lunch, and he began to tell me how I how much I impacted his life. And I'm like, what do, what do you mean? He said, well, you don't remember, but I was having a really bad day in practice, and you pulled me over and asked me what was going on, if I was okay. And I said that I was struggling with some things, and so you told me, get back out there and let's try this again. And and um, practice still didn't go well, so at the end of practice, you and I stayed after, and you had me make 100 layups right and left hand uh, before I went home. And that changed my life. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean that changed your life? He said, that's the first time someone had given me something to do to correct a problem. I had always been suspended, kicked out, that kind of thing, but no one had ever corrected me and gave me what to do. And you did that. And when he told me that story, I was just overwhelmed. He wasn't a starter. He wasn't, you know, a guy that was in the newspaper scoring a lot of points, but he was a part of this team. And he said, you really made me, you made guy from guy number one to guy number 15, feel a part of this team, and that changed my life. He's in ministry now in Florida, and he tells that story to people. Man, praise the Lord. 
That's a great story. Coach, I, I was at a wedding for, for a former player. We're way up north, and um, I had a, a, a player come up to me, and we'd won uh, some, a back-to-back state championships over at Dominican. This was a young man that was on that that second team, and he decided that he he was a decent player, but he was lazy, and, mm-hmm. and, and he just was. And he decided he was going to quit. And um, over the Christmas holiday... And I went to his house, picked him up, took him to lunch, and we went to the Silver Spring House. Oh, very nice. I know, but he ordered like four <laughs> entrees, and all that cost me about 100 bucks, I think. Um, but we had lunch, and I said, look, you understand if you quit, we will not win state. And he said, coach, I'm eighth, ninth guy. What are you talking about? And I said, you don't understand the impact that you have in this locker room. You're a really good basketball player, but you're lazy. Let's be honest. You've heard it before. And he said, I have. And I said, you could help us a ton on the floor if you ever decided you don't want to be, be lazy and work hard. But in the locker room, these guys love you. And they love having you around. And we don't win state if you leave. And if you ever understood what a really good player you were, you'd be scary, man. It would be scary. He, that kid played a lot, and we won that state championship. And he came up to me at that wedding, and he said, do you remember that? I said, I remember what it cost me. So it was pretty hard to start laughing. He said, do you know, in all seriousness, you were the only coach in my entire life who told me I was a good basketball player. Wow. They all told me I was lazy. I wow. said, because you were. He goes, yeah, I still am. His fiance came up to me. This, So we had this conversation. An hour later, she came up, and she said, are you Coach Mac? And I said, I am. She goes, I'm so-and-so's fiance. Do you have a minute? I said, yeah. She goes, he has told this story a million wow. times. Wow. You're the only guy that ever told me he's a good basketball player. I said, he was. Did he tell you what else I told him? She goes, yeah, he's still lazy. And we <laughs> laughed about it. But isn't that amazing, Coach, that those are the things that we remember, the impact that we have on these players' lives long after they get off the court is incredible. And I hope that that the coaches that listen to the show, and there's a lot coaches that listen to the show understand the importance of of what we're doing you know if there was one thing i learned from coach k and it was this that you need to be uh actively interested in your players everybody that coaches has some idea about x and x and o's some some idea but are you able to really relate to your player? Are you able to find the button to make him or her be the best that they can be? I remember being in a, in a meeting once down when I was at Duke and there was a player who was having a very difficult uh, practice and some of the assistant coaches were all over him, just getting all over him. And so we're in a meeting and Coach K said, well, how did he do on his test today? Right. And it was silent. And I learned from that point, you know, they're, they're, they're people. And they can be impacted. Not machines. And not machines. Right. And once they know you love them, and once they know you care about them, right. they will do anything for you. Anything for you. Anything for you. The thing I learned most with Coach Wallersheim along that, 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 uh, uh, that frame is when you tell a young man or a young lady that you're coaching something, if you say, I'm going to call you tonight at 7 o'clock, do not call them at 10, at 10 after. Don't call them at 10 to. Call them at 7 o'clock. If you see I'm going to be in front of your house at 7.15 this morning, to pick next tomorrow morning to pick you up, 
You be there at 7.15. Don't show up at 7.30. Don't show up at 7.11. You show up at 7.15 because these guys need to understand they can trust you. Coach, I, I love you, man. I do. I thank you so much for coming in. I, I, I enjoy the time that we get to spend. Um, go to davidcooksenterprises.com, one word, or give him a call at 414-507-7677. It's good to see you, brother. Stay healthy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Yes, God is good. God is good. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip for a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people of sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.